Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. The Man Who Saw the Light Over Winter Hill by Ian Gordon Four, the Dream I have to admit my recollections of the police officers escorting the naked man from my house are poor, but I do remember the general impression of multiple faces filled with surprise at the sight and state of the intruder, and I recall with perfect clarity the man's face as he was led past me. Sans the her, it was my face that looked back at me. I don't think the arresting officers noticed at the time. That would come later. Shortly afterwards, safe in the knowledge that the stranger was locked up in the back of a van outside, I found myself next to Rosie in the living room, answering questions. Do you know the intruder? No. Have you ever seen him before? No. Do you keep anything of value in the house? Not really. Is there anything you can tell us that might assist us in the interrogation of the suspect. I'm sorry, no. As sure as hell wasn't about to tell the police that I'd witnessed a sort of metamorphosis upstairs, if my eyes and senses hadn't deceived me, that was. After all, the room had been dark. The stranger was backlit. But I've mentioned instincts already, haven't I? If we choose to trust those then we should absolutely choose to accept what we see with our own eyes, no matter how anomalous or implausible. Shouldn't we? Rosie was utterly perplexed. She too had seen the man's face as he was led through the house. The resemblance was undeniable. Her eyes were heavy. This due to the fact, and I learned this later, that she'd watched the transformation of the intruder through a crack in my bedroom door. I mean, what else could she do while waiting for the police to arrive? And things would only get stranger. Thanks for your time, Mr. Smith, said one of the two officers as they prepared to leave. We'll be in touch in the morning. Rosie and I followed the officers to the door, hoping to catch a glimpse of the man in the back of the van. Unfortunately, or fortunately as the case may be, there were no windows to provide such a glimpse. But I knew he was out there, sitting silently, breathing imperceptibly, and that alone was enough to induce a shudder. Instinctively, we hobbled to the kitchen. Caffeine was required. With the French press on the go, Rosie and I stood there, leaning against the units, as we often did when waiting for coffee to brew. My sister's a couple of years younger than me, just about able to say she's still in her twenties. She's tall for a lass, stands almost toe-to-toe with me. Just over six feet she is. It's funny, growing up I never really saw her as a girl. We were a conniving duo, close enough in age to establish the kind of kinship that would lead to trouble if boredom ever reared its ugly head. In fact, it was often Rosie who would devise the devious plots for which we'd later feel my parents' wrath. Light though that wrath usually was. The point is, She's the type of ballsy, level-headed individual you want on your side when the shit hits the fan. 
She takes the hits and gives it to you straight. So, she said, when at last the brewed coffee hit the bottom of our mugs. What the fuck? I let out an involuntary snigger and downed a mouthful of piping hot coffee. I'm baffled, I said, shaking my head. Then I told her as best I could what happened after she went to call the police, filling in the bit she'd missed before returning to the bedroom door. The way the man, if Manny was, had gawped at me like one starved for a month, holding me in a trance while he worked me out, copied me, in effect. Because that was what it felt like, like a painter studying his subject, a photographer focusing his lens. I was rambling, trying to find an accurate way to describe the experience, to effectively communicate to my sister the extraordinary nature of it. So it's a shapeshifter then, she said, and she meant it. She wasn't one to mince words. Yeah, I said, shrugging my shoulders. I mean, if it looks like a dog and barks like a dog, then it must be a dog, Rosie finished. It was a dog when we saw it on the street. And then I thought about what Justin next door had said, his description of the pale rat he'd seen in the front yard. It was a rat before that, near as damn it anyway. We talked for a while longer, going over the same things again and again. In the end, our theory was that, whatever the thing might be, it had come down from Winter Hill, right after the flash that had illuminated the moor. Somehow, it had followed me, tracked me down, probably encountered some sort of rodent on the way, later Jolly the Bulldog, then... And now it's in police custody, Rosie said, matter-of-factly. Somehow, the idea of my look-alike banged up at Astleybridge Police Station made me incredibly uncomfortable. I mean, it wasn't me in there, and yet a bombardment of ambiguous thoughts regarding a sort of metaphysical betrayal were at the forefront of my mind. I felt guilty. How ridiculous is that? It was approaching midnight when we called it a day. High on caffeine and a few other choice substances, I knew that sleep wouldn't be forthcoming, and after what had happened in my bedroom there was no chance I was spending the night in there. So it was on the couch in the living room, which wasn't quite long enough for my height, that I found myself tossing and turning at around 12.30am. I couldn't shake the vision of that appalling intruder. Every time I closed my eyes I saw him glaring at me, burrowing into my soul. I saw those impossibly malleable limbs achieve greater definition. The advent of pale genitalia. The subtle contortions of that awful elastic face. And then I was outside. It was dark. I was striding through the moorgrass, struggling with my footing. I looked up, aware that something was about to happen. A column of light some fifty feet in diameter briefly illuminated the night sky, depositing at its base a strange, writhing mass. Blindly, I groped my way towards the thing, my eyes drawn to a wriggling shadow in the near blackness. And as my eyes adjusted to the gloom, I saw. The squirming monstrosity, the size of a large rat, was little more than a squat fetus. It had a familiar face. It it was my face. The thing was a mockingly sinister miniature of myself. 
He looked at me with its steely black eyes, just as the man in my bedroom had looked at me, and I was glued to the spot, transfixed by it, my head filled with a terrible mixture of interest and repulsion. And then there was a second flash of light, depositing a second squirming horror. This too looked like me, and alongside its ghastly companion, the two of them, led by the first, came after me. I took off running, stumbling, falling, hearing repetitions of that awful yelp that had signalled the arrival of the thing in the waking world. And then, as is often the case in dreams, I found myself transported to the Zark, that unnavigable expanse shunned by all sensible ramblers. I was up to my knees in the festering bogs, gasping for breath, but the things were still at my heels, those and others salivating, chomping, relentless. I could barely move, wading through the swamp with extreme difficulty. And those hungry horrors got closer and closer, till one of them took a piece out of me, and then another, and another, and... I woke up. I was dripping with sweat. Just a dream, I thought. A horrible nightmare. It's a shame the same couldn't be said about what had happened earlier in my bedroom.